practical Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Unini Weldenig. It is me. You're very, very welcome along. Coming up on this evening's show, we'll get reacquainted with one of the artists we profiled a couple of weeks ago, Kilkenny composer and performer Neil Quigley. And the girls are back in town. We have our book club tonight, so they'll be with us shortly for a chat about Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Now, if you want to get in on that chat, please text us on our Dinner's Ready line 083 306 9696. We would love to know what you think. And if you're looking for future reading inspiration, you're still in the right place as Marissa Sheehan and Kate Redmond will each bring us a recommended read while they're here and you never know perhaps they'll even give us a little party piece too. We'll also try and find a moment to celebrate the writer Albert Camus who was born on this day in 1913 and the wonderful Joni Mitchell who celebrates her 80th birthday today. But first this evening let's throw an eye on what's on around the counties arts wise. Over the week to come a lovely gentleman called Nicholas Ryan Purcell called me last week. You might remember the name from a previous documentary he made called This is Nicholas Living with Autism which I know was shown in Kilkenny. Anyway, he has a new documentary called 100 Years of Change. It explores social change over the decades through the eyes of a 100 year old lady and the IMC Cinema in Kilkenny will be showing that documentary next Monday, November 13th at 7.30pm. When he called me, there was something so simple so authentic yet really arresting about the way that he described his work that I really wanted to share it with you. So this is he talking about that documentary. The 80 minute documentary film is told through the eyes of a lady in her 100th year named Mabel Wallace and she recalls how she has seen life change through her own eyes since the year 1923 which is 100 years ago. Mrs. Wallace recalls so many stories with such clarity, but also intertwined with humour. Mrs. Wallace also recalls horse-drawn farming equipment, including the reaper and binder, making butter and also the milk separator being used in the house. She also remembers the thrashing season with such clarity and also travelling by pony and trap to the races and also going to point-to-point races including Johnstown and County Kilkenny. Mrs Wallace even remembers some parts of her early life with such detail and such clarity. For example, she talks about the first family car back in 1930 which was a Ford Model A and the car having to be started using a starting handle at the front of the car. Also she remembers the days before electricity and having to go around the house with a candle. She remembers as well making phone calls through the post office and the postmistress listening in to phone calls and many other stories. But She is a very humorous lady and already there have been five screenings of this documentary film and what really moves me is the laughs and the humour that the audience get from Mrs Wallace. She is just a total natural on the screen and she remembers every story with such clarity. It was my own family who pushed me to make this documentary film and actually filming began in February 2023 and I 
wrapped up the documentary film in late August this year. The 80-minute documentary film is supported by archival video footage and also loads of old photographs. Mrs. Wallace's own mother was a keen photographer and she used a Brownie 620 to capture life when Mrs. Wallace was young. So you can really see what life was like back then. That's the voice of Nicholas Ryan Purcell. And if you want to catch his documentary, 100 Years of Change, it's on next Monday, November 13th, 7.30pm in the IMC. I think it sounds really fascinating and I'm definitely going to be there. If you were listening to our own Edward Hayden on Saturday morning, you may have heard that Celine Byrne was on. She's going to be in St. Canice's Church this Saturday, the 11th at 8pm with Paul Linehan and the Baldonnell Singers Male Choir performing a range of pieces from opera, musical theatre and traditional Irish favourites. And as Shannon Redmond just shared, the Kenny Musical Society celebrate their 50th anniversary with two concerts in the Watergate this Thursday and Friday at 7.30pm. And staying in the Watergate, if you came of age any time around when I did, you'll be interested in what's on there on Saturday at 7.30pm. It's the film Are You There God? It's me, Margaret, based on Judy Bloom's novel. And finally this evening, a few weeks ago, we had Angela Kyo and John McKenna in studio. And here is John to tell you about an event that they have coming up in Carlo this week. On Sunday next, November 12th, I Remember You Well, the songs and stories of Leonard Cohen will be presented at St. Mary's Church in Carlow. Katie Jakes and Shane Sullivan will perform the songs. Angela Kyo and John McKenna will read from Leonard Cohen's work. And this is the second of only three performances that the show will have this year. The first, which was in a Thai community arts centre, was a sellout. And St. Mary's is well on the way to being a sellout. Tickets are available on Eventbrite or by cash on the door on the night at St. Mary's Church of Ireland in Carlow. Eight o'clock, Sunday, November 12th. So loads coming up over the week to come. Now, I'm going to take a short break, but coming up just after that, a couple of weeks ago, we featured Kilkenny composer and performer Neil Quigley as our artist in profile. Neil is currently based in Glasgow and we're going to hear more from him this evening as a few days ago, I caught up with him for a chat over the phone. So that's coming up. Neil, you're very welcome to KCLR. I'm going to start by asking you, how did you get interested in music? Let's take you right back to the beginning of your musical career. Oh, uh, well, thanks for having me. I suppose the house when I was growing up was filled with um, music. My dad was really into Led Zeppelin and he played guitar and stuff like that. Um, and then my mom. Actually, the older I get, the more uh, I appreciate my mom's taste in music when I was growing up, like Brian Ferry and all that, like the fist pop stuff. Yeah, the house was filled with music, but it wasn't just music, it was, it was sort of visual art as well, like my dad. I remember growing up in Kilkenny at the time in the 90s and like the arts scene or definitely like the Butler Gallery and like uh, the Arts Festival had super interesting stuff in it you know I remember him bringing me to a Roman Signer exhibition I think he's a Swiss artist or Austrian artist maybe um, but I think I was like maybe seven or eight at the time and it sort of blew my mind you know? so it was that that got me into more of the arts broadly than just music and then in college um, my plan was to go to um, the UK to do a course that was like music and art, uh, visual art. But uh, 
I got into UCC and then studied it there. So then I sort of specialized into music. I don't know whether you can call it specializing, but, you know, I started focusing more on the musical aspects of, of my practice, you know. You can definitely call it specializing, Neil. So were you torn between two lovers a little bit as to which way you would go? Or was there a stronger leaning from early doors toward the musical side of things? No, I mean, like when I was growing up, I never even thought of them as separate things. You know, they were just like making stuff was just, you know, you just, you just make things when you're when you're a teenager, and we like the visual aspects of music was also as important as the music itself and all that type of stuff. And I think that's still the case with me a little bit, where it's sort of um, the narratives and the stories and the the visual aspect are as important as the sonic aspects. You know, I think that's testament to your artistic personality because for, for somebody like me who's less creative I would see them as being very separate but for you it's the creation of something in whatever guise that happens to come out and I absolutely love that. You're now a composer Neil so talk to me about how your musical taste evolved into what you do now. I suppose when I went to college I was still looking for that sort of because it was like music focused, I was still looking for that sort of, uh, I don't know, conceptual or, or for lack of a better word, like conceptual approach to it. Because I was familiar with the visual art world. And again, like that Roman Signer exhibition and Paul McCarthy exhibition in the Butler Gallery when I was a kid really sort of inspired me, you know. But so I was sort of looking for that. And then in the second year of college, one of the, one of the lectures um showed me the music of Alvin Lucier. I don't know whether, you know, he's an American composer and sort of introduced me to all this American sort of post-World War II contemporary music. And he's like, I think you'll really like this, you know. And then the opportunity came up to study with uh, Alvin over in Wesleyan in Connecticut for a semester. So I went over there and, and seeing him and his life and how he approached music and he was a nice person, which is sort of always inspiring, you know. And um, so that inspired me to just keep going with the composer thing because... There was a, a, his work sort of exists between music and, you know, performance art and has elements of science and has elements of all these different uh, approaches to art, which is, uh, which I found really inspiring. I want to go back for yeah. a second to the Butler Gallery, because you were seven or eight at that stage when you and your dad took you to that exhibition. Can you remember the, the feeling, what, what it ignited in you? Was there a particular thing that lit that fire? Or can you talk to us a little bit about that if you have any memory of it or any um, tangible memory of it? Yeah, it's funny, I haven't, I can't really remember when that exhibition was. No, hang on, I'll, I'll look it up there. It's. It was actually, I was 11 at the time. Well, whatever um, age, I mean, you were young. I was very young, but I, I, I like it's it sort of um, broad strokes memories at the moment where it's, I remember this like circular tube on the ground and then I remember these like wooden a video of wooden chairs being fired out of a um a building, like the windows of a building. And it was these like pretty um minimal video pieces. But I found them very funny. I thought, Oh, this is what art is and it seems a bit you know, it's silly, but like it's allowed to be silly and that always really inspired me, you know. And it's the same with the Paul McCarthy stuff. Um, I think that exhibition was maybe a few years before and I probably shouldn't have been seeing it. Because it was, um, it's pretty grotesque and everything, you know. But um, yeah, just that performance, you know, I thought was very inspiring to me. At the time. That seems like a very mature reaction to that exhibition for somebody, you know, with whatever age you were. It seems extraordinary to me. Yeah, I mean, 
I suppose because my dad was a sign writer in Kilkenny. He, um, you know, the the dental laboratory down on Irish Town. He did he did the glass in there and the Langtons sign and stuff like that. But I remember I was sort of privy to his practice because he worked he used to work down in the shed. Um, so he did the so glass. I think I had, Is that what he did? Yeah, yeah, he. Yeah, he did like glass work and sign writing and stuff like that, you know. But um, so I think I had some, you know, uh, aesthetic appreciation from what he would tell me is nice or, or what he would tell me is is like interesting visually or whatever. But then seeing like uh, the Roman Signer exhibition and the Paul McCarthy exhibition, it sort of opened up this like uh, conceptual world or, or like a deeper layer of that uh, something doesn't have to be beautiful, but something can be grotesque, but also have a beauty to it or, or a subtext to it or something like that. Or something can be so reduced in material. Like I saw, I watched a Roman Signer documentary, which reminded me of, of going to it when I was a kid. And one of his pieces, just this video of a, a spinning chair, you know, like an office chair, put in a river, put in a stream, and it just spins. But there's something very funny about it, you know. Um, so yeah, just seeing that and like the potential of quite reduced materials excited me. And then like later on in transition year, I think it was maybe five years later, I um, volunteered there for work experience in, in when I was in transition year. This is an exhibition, the David Tandlin exhibition. He's it sort of a graphic artist or comic book type artist from, I think he was from Belfast, but he moved over to New York or whatever, but his exhibition was there and that sort of opened up a whole different world of sort of uh, DIY work or, or, or um, countercultural stuff, you know. Are you of the mind, Neil, that there's beauty in any type of art or that there's no such thing as worthless art or ugly art, that the receiver, the viewer, the consumer can find beauty in almost anything or is that a stretch? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really think about beauty too much. Because um, often the stuff I listen to is, or, or watch or whatever is very ugly, um, but it might be stimulating in some way. And I was thinking, what was I thinking recently? Um, like people like Randy Newman or, or artists who write in as characters. You know, there's an ugliness to characters, but there's a be- beauty to and an earnestness to these construction of characters. You know? Yeah, again, it's like I think beauty is sort of so specific to each person that. It's very hard to agree upon some aesthetic beauty or, or whatever. In terms of music then, because music is what you do now, isn't it? You don't really create art in other spaces. or It's a mix. Like So the most recent project I released on the 6th of October um, is this really unusual project. I, I really like, I mean, it, it was what well, uh, the ArtsLinks funded, but um, it's this sort of, for me, it's a research project into different types of music and co- research and culture and lo- local Irish history, local Kilkenny history, um, sort of electronic music and electroacoustic music from Europe and the US post-war. Uh, so it's this big, m- massive research thing for me. But in the end, it comes out as this sort of fictional history of a parallel Kilkenny. Um, so like, there's a lot of writing involved in because it, it's published with a book. So there's this like fictional history and then there's music on top of it. There's a CD with it, so it's like 16 tracks of different stuff. That sounds intriguing. Um, Paint us a picture of the parallel to Kenny. Yeah, well, like it's it's nice when, because I'm living in Glasgow or between the places and I always have this fantasy about 
you know, Kilkenny, Kilkenny is like a peaceful place to work in. And then maybe in bigger cities like Chicago, I lived in Chicago and Cork and whatever, like they were, those places would inspire me. But it's actually the inverse that happens where I go to these big cities and so suddenly my growing up in Kilkenny uh, really informs everything that I'm doing, you know. So this is sort of an extension of that. And um, I'm trying to think of pieces. Um, actually, the piece that I sent you is by this composer, uh, Tony Quinn, who was an assistant. Um, he was an assistant for the lab, which was based in Kilkenny. Not really, but um, a parallel with Kilkenny. Um, and yeah, there's just like a big sort of expansive culture and characters of fictional parallel Kilkenny and then tied in with real things that happened in Kilkenny. I love that. It's, then, it's like you take a little yeah. piece of everywhere you've been, but the overriding influence seems to be where you were, where you grew up and where you were born, which is beautiful. Can we talk a little bit, Neil, about what you actually produce? Because when I was reading a description of the type of music, so for example, your work focuses on audio representations of space and interpersonal politics of the musical workspace. I really need help yeah. breaking that down and understanding what that is. Yeah, well, so it's my practice is pretty broad and, and varied. So with the workplace aspect of it, um, some of the comp- compositions I've written before, uh, particularly for like acoustic instruments, um, I have this tendency of writing and getting interested in interpersonal dynamics and then viewing the music industry or the, the or I don't know how you'd call it, but the, the the ensemble as a workspace rather than a, a a band or and I mean that's how I sort of I've done it since I was uh in my early twenties when I was in bands and stuff. Like this sort of treating it like a workspace and sort of nearly satirizing the workspace mechanics of it and then analyzing, using it as a way of amplifying sort of uh, modern workspace considerations. So like, um, you know, interpersonal dynamics and uh, using the jargon from from business world, but applying it to something that it seems out of sorts, you know. It's quite an academic Um, approach to musical creation, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it is, but then... Part of the job is making it a bit more accessible, but, or that's that's sort of what I, uh, how I go about it anyway. I mean, you don't need to, but I, I like friends of mine to be like, "Oh, you did a cool thing." Friends who aren't into academic music to be like, "Oh, I can get what that means." Or um, so with this new the the electroacoustic lab record, like there's sort of. Um, there's lots of different types of music on it. There's ambient music. There's sort of quite harsh um, noise music. There's um, sort of like, uh, you know, can or, or German krautrock music or whatever you want to call it. It's quite varied. And then there's like 12-tone classical music on it. So, um, But it, it's a good conduit for more um, just sort of maybe lofty, or, or academic ideas, you know, compositional ideas. It, it's a, you can sort of like put them in under the surface and not, they don't have to be so austere, you know. Yes, but do, do they find a home? Because it's not what we, we would consume, I suppose, every day. So do you find that, that you can make a living from this and your music gets the exposure that you'd like it to get? Well, it's funny, like it's, it, 
it changes all the time. Like something, some things will really surprise you where someone will be like, like you know, I, I post some of the tracks to YouTube on, on sort of an archive with the, I, I do up lots of artwork and scripts and stuff like that to support the material, like fictional artwork for for records and stuff like that. And I might post up a track from the record up on YouTube with the fictional cover that I've designed or whatever. And then suddenly that would explode, like loads of views. And then I'm like, how did that happen? You know, um, so it's it's very unpredictable. You yes, know? but that's the joy um, of art, isn't it? One of the many things that, that, that make us raise our eyebrows when we're not quite sure how something's going to be received and then something exactly. has not expected reaction that's always interesting. Neil, you might just tell listeners where they can find out more about you or listen to some of your work or maybe delve a little deeper into what you do. Yeah, so um, the probably best place to go is um, my website, which is quigley.life, which is a strange URL, but that's that's where to go. And then if you want to access the band camp, or, or that's where I sell the records, um, that's Mune, which is M-I-U Fada I-N. If you just type in to Google Mune, it should come up. Um, yeah. Super. Well, Neil, thank you so much for joining us on air this evening. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Unani Valdainig. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. You're very welcome back to The Art Show. Now it is my, the highlight, I'm going to say, of my month. It is book club time and I'm joined in studio by Marissa Sheehan and by Kate Redmond. Girls, Fulcher Oif. Hi, Una. Thank you very much, Una. You're very welcome. Here. Back. It oh, is great to be here. <laughs> I have a sad life, Marissa. That's and the thing that you Una, don't realise. highlight of our month. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I embarrassed you into saying that and I'm thrilled that I did. <laughs> no, you actually paid me. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Ladies, uh, we're doing uh, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Off you go. Um, I liked it. Okay. I think it's worth a read. Did I love it? No, was there lots of uh, little ploys to bring you in and lots of uh, generalizations and overstatements and neat little bows on things? Yes. So I was kind of thinking about it today and I think it's like having a bowl of Rice Krispies for your breakfast. It's lovely and tasty and it snaps, crackles and pops. But really, you're hungry at 11, so you should have the bowl of porridge and it's no bowl of porridge. It's a quick fix of a Rice Krispies. I love the analogy because I do not like Rice Krispies and I did not like this book. No, <laughs> I hate Rice Krispies, but I did like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's take your positive take on it because mine is not. Well, so Kate. No, I, I mean, I, I, I would have reservations for sure, but there were lots of things I liked about it. I am... Um, I thought um, it was very quirky. She was. Um, and I thought all the characters, they were the things I liked about it. They were very idiosyncratic. You know, I, I had problems with the plot. Um, but I thought it was just unusual and it was funny. Oh, were the car- Sorry. Sorry, weren't they kind of predictably unusual though? Like we had a dog that could understand words we had two geniuses, is there a plural of geniuses, that met. Mm. They were brilliant rowers. They had such a tragic background, but overcame it. I just And then the child, the sum of them was this really incredibly bright child reading Dickens when she was one and all this nonsense. Sure. It was hard to swallow. Yeah, but at the same time, I suppose, what I really liked about it in the sense that was... 
I thought it brought me back to, okay, it was 1960s California, mm-hmm. you know. And what I liked about it was it actually gave you how difficult it was to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, even yeah. in possibly the yeah. most liberal state, you know. And it did that well, I will and I thought say. it did that very well. I mean, I felt, oh my God, here it is reminding me you know, in the 1960s, that actually women had to fight. Oh, no, it did all you know, of that. But it did, yeah. I no, thought absolutely. the premise of the feminism, I really liked that about it, you know, and that even from the small things in the sense of that, you know, um, the, the guy that she ended up with, Calvin, thought he, he was her secretary, you know. That she was a secretary, yes. That she was a secretary, but, exactly. But the thing I didn't like about that was she was incredibly beautiful. Like, we got that note a couple of times about her beauty. Of and course she was. I don't think Calvin yeah. would have had the slightest interest in her or entertaining her yeah. whims had she not been so so lovely. And and some of it was slightly, yes, it was of the time, but he was slightly condescending toward her, I thought, in some ways. I also thought, Kate, yes, it did very well, the misogyny, the sexism, the incredible inequality that existed. And they did a good job on that. What they didn't do a good job on, I thought, was this character, Elizabeth, who was going to face that the way that she did. It was very hard to swallow. It was. And it really was. I I, I think what I struggled about it was it was very black and white. There was no subtlety. You were the characters were either evil are so pure as the driven snow and it there was no there was no kind of well they have good points they have bad points like say in Sally Diamond where people you struggle to understand them whereas these are the good guys these are the bad guys I'm not sure I agree there because Frask would be an example she changed though so she did she was really evil and then circumstances changed her to the saviour and to it was all so neat at the end I I liked that I thought it was actually a bit nuanced I thought that did you think so yeah Frass was kind of developed a bit and that she had more empathy by the time she came around to but she changed completely like it wasn't a case of well I always had a bit of good in me it's just that I was she was so bad and then she was so good now, so I it wasn't circum- developed enough for, yes. But we didn't get enough of her either to see that development. And there were other examples of little coincidences that I wrote down because they annoyed me so much. They're in red pen um, <laughs> that tidied up the story. So, for example, Amanda, the girl at the very beginning who was stealing the little girl's sandwiches, her oh, yes. father just so happened to be Walter Pine, this TV yes. boss who yes. then saw her. Again, we, we saw the beauty. Oh, he thought she was so beautiful. So yeah. there was that creeping in there as well. I didn't like that. And then out of that, she got her television show. And then Madeline happened upon Wakely, the former pen pal of her Ah, deceased father. And then Frask, your man, wrote the the journalist sending the paper to to Elizabeth and it's intercepted by the young precocious kid. And then she sends it on to Wakely, who has now got Frask working for him. What? It it was was just... It was just... And like, poor Calvin, like what a tragedy, like given up for adoption his adopted parents died in a crash then his aunt took him she also died then he was put into this horrible it was just all so formulaic and then he takes the dog out for a walk he <laughs> takes the dog out for a walk and that's the end of <laughs> that's the end of him and, yeah. and Elizabeth Zott was researching the origin of the species like she wasn't researching some plant or something that you know it was just so huge like this abiogenesis like the origin of the world of life Mm -hmm. 
it's just so and she was untouchable they had to pretend that she was a male like there was so many there were so many elements to it like that what I thought was interesting was um, the, the, the author was of an age when this was published she was 64 if not 65 by the yes, time this yeah. book was published and a previous work of hers had been rejected 98 times Yes, yeah, and she finally that. got a note saying that it was too long but the other thing that I thought was very interesting was she um, was inspired to write this the very first chapter and the last three lines interestingly were written on the back of an incident that happened whereby I don't know if you can empathise with this one girls but I definitely can um, she went to a meeting and she presented some thoughts and sometime later in that meeting this male VP pretty much paraphrased what she said and it got this almost an applause. It was so well received whereas what she had said had been ignored and she was furious and she went and she wrote this so her character Elizabeth is based on that incident and I think with, with you know this kind of desire to be able to face that in a way that isn't realistic. I've just changed my mind. I love this book. <laughs> <laughs> After hearing that backstory. I'm Do you? Completely, oh, yeah. Like somebody who was trying, rejected all that times and then oh, wrote this yeah, yeah. for her. Yeah. But look, I think probably myself and Una are playing too much the opposite. Like it, it is a lovely read. I think read it. But it's only afterwards you think and you go, I think I was head. I think it was had a bit but because you it was and so a lot of people because it got incredible reviews worldwide. It yeah. was sold in thirty five countries. It was on the bestseller yeah. list, New York Times for over a year. Like nobody agrees with us. But you see, it's sweet. It's sweet, is it and though? it's it is because it is sweet, and I liked that about no, it. No, and so did I when I was reading <clears throat> yeah. it. And that's the tricky thing. It's only afterwards you go. Uh, hold on a minute. No, it wasn't because for me, I just, I, I can accept that you have to bend things a little bit to get where you want to go, but I didn't enjoy it. And Kate actually kept saying to me, no, 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 you're going to, it, it takes a while to get into it, but you'll yeah. get there. And I didn't. I found it hard work, you know, to get to the end of that book, I have to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. What about, yeah, I suppose I, I coming from the history point of view, I loved it from oh, that yeah. point of view, you know. Oh, I can absolutely and, see. Yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, and I was. There was times I was going, I mean, when she started, you know, teaching the dog English. <laughs> what was the dog? 60, six, 6.30. 6.30. I said, this is daft. Mm. As but Kate, we ended up with her putting the scientific goggles on the dog. They were going off to but solve the origin. the end with the dog. <laughs> he was going to find the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you were told that he could. He yeah, was very smart. Right. I thought that was very well written. It, it, you know, it brought me but along with it. But he also found the dynamite in the bag and saved yes. the day. It's yes. like, when oh, you yeah. actually pick out the little bits, it's only... But while you're reading it, it's, it's a testament to her writing and her skill of bringing you in it doesn't actually stop you as you're going along. Whereas afterwards... Well, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay, even that we might have a difference on how good it was. But I couldn't. Once I got into it, I couldn't put it down. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, lots of people agree with you. Like some people, I read an article that Suzanne Harrington had in the Examiner and she was really gushing about it. it, it to the extent that I found it hard to... Yeah. Really? Are we reading the same book? Yeah. Like, Could it be? Well, I think it's very divisive, isn't it? Well, yes. yes. Me, yeah. me against so. the world and yeah. Marissa kind of. But you see, it deals with a lot of very big issues. It does. So yeah. it deals with women in science. It deals with misogyny. It deals with different pay scales. Like it brings in an awful lot. There were those big questions. And it does it in a very kind of accessible, easy, straightforward way. 
but then that's the problem I have. And I think well. that's the problem I yeah. have too. And also, yeah. and because the story was sparked by an incident she had whereby she found it very hard to assert her own or have her own voice heard. And I think we can all speak to that. And then the solution in the book was this character that... Well, good for you, Elizabeth Zott, but yeah. that wasn't that wasn't realistic, yeah. in my opinion. Let's rate it. So, out of five ladies, what are we thinking? Oh, I think I give it four. Okay, uh, I'm going to give it two and a half. Oh, Marissa, I thought you'd be giving oh it a three. God. It's two and a half for me two as well because there were, I suppose, nice elements to it, but I just no. Yeah. It's a no. We're going I'm to take the short break. On this one. No, but you are <laughs> you and the rest of the world though, because it was it was much loved. Yeah. Ladies, we'll come back after the break, and you're going to bring us a little party piece each. Can't wait. You're very welcome back to the art show, and I'm here with my book club, Marissa Sheehan and Kate Redmond. Ladies, you each brought a recommended read to the table tonight. So, Kate, would you like to share yours first? Yeah, sure. Um, mine was one that took me completely by surprise. Um, by chance, I got it. It's uh, a memoir and it's open Andre Agassi. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, really interesting, brilliantly written. Now, ghost written by um, J.P. Warringer, who also writes, you were saying to me, Una, he wrote Harry's, um, um, what was it called? Was Share. it called, please feel sorry for me, I think, something along yeah, those yeah. lines. Yeah. But anyway, I haven't read that. But it was absolutely wonderful. It was, you, you loved know, it, yes. loved it. From the point of view that it was the most honest kind of um, memoir I've read in a long time about both his tennis and his personal life and the struggles and really, really interesting it's a really backstory. worth reading. A great title, Open. I love Open, that. Open, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I super. really would recommend it. It was brilliant. Okay, and the rest of yours? Uh, the Wren, the Wren by Anne Enright. Okay. Fantastic, real um, meat, two veg and a few spuds in this one. So, well, well worth reading. Meat, two veg. <laughs> I like that description. <laughs> she always delivers, though, that, that woman. Now, that Fantastic. woman can write. Uh, mine is a bit of a strange one. Today is the birthday of Albert Camus. I have to sneak this in because otherwise we won't get to talk about this. Uh, he was born in 1913 and he wrote, would well, any of you have come across his works? No, yes, yeah. you would have in your yeah, studies. Existentialism, isn't it? Well, of. it is. That is more the idea that you're in charge of your own destiny, destiny isn't it? Whereas his concept was absurdism, which is that there's no meaning to life okay. and happiness is to be found in the pursuit of it. But just to give you the heads up, there there is no meaning, so you're not going to find it. But if there is happiness there, just ruined the plot of the story. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's that's what absurdism. But there's a few wow. brilliant lines in the book. It's kind of explained through this book L'Étranger, which I studied in college and just thought, oh, this is horrendous. What a waste of an education because now <laughs> I just think it's intriguing. But there were some brilliant lines in it, and actually, uh, John Purcell this evening was saying to me as he was leaving the office. He he remembered this line that stood out to him: "Mother died today, or maybe yesterday. I can't be sure." Like, wow. don't yeah. you just want to read books like <laughs> yeah, that? Or yeah. after a while, you could get used to anything. So it's that idea that like we're all going to die. When and how read doesn't matter. If you've any interest, I recommend. It. It's called okay. sorry, the stranger in English, the stranger wow. Albert Camus. It reminds me actually, just as you said it there, Runa, the beginning of Donald Ryan, Spinning Heart. Yes. <laughs> what was that the beginning is, of that? I, well, I paraphrase him, but it's something like I am. I go up the lane and out the gate every day to check that my father's still alive and every time I'm disappointed. Oh, yes. <laughs> it kind of is the yeah. same yeah. sentiment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Marissa, um, speaking of great writers, have you a little poem for us in your gosh. pocket? <laughs> Can't live up to that. Okay, so I just brought something for the long evenings and it's for listeners who are at home and are wishing for something or need something because I think every 
we all need something like a cup needs tea or tea needs a cup or a book needs a reader. So if you are at home listening and you need or wish something, I wish it for you. Strawberries and coffins. Raw, pale, new coffin birthing from a white van on the street in Gorn. I wish you a corpse, old and ready. A thurible swaying, its chains busy billowing incense. Chance, chastables caressing, hands shaking, sorry for your troubles. She was a good age, dressed in your brass jewellery. Heaving strawberry, I wish you the confused relief of a sprung udder. Sucked and nudged, sore from gums and teeth spilling juice, a mouth to hold and hear your pulp squeezing, rummaging your green truss to taste every bit of you, your rain, your heat, your nudges of earth and worm. I wish you a friend, small boy, to hold your trouser knees with, side by side stirring earth in puddles with sticks. You'll wear filthy blues and yellows, beg for one more sweet, and run in bawling, pointing at gravel-scraped elbows, making plans for dens and shaded places. You need a friend, small boy, like a coffin needs a corpse, like strawberries need juicing. Oh, that's beautiful, Marcel. Oh, that's really gorgeous. And um, Kate, you also brought a little party piece, which may involve strawberries, though probably not at this time of the year. It's a food-related but party thing. Nonetheless, yeah, food-related. Um, so a friend sent me this, and it's a forage, uh, nor river and, and walk and wild picnic. And it's happening on Sunday the 19th. And it's the last forage and wild picnic of 2023. And... Um, it's um, led wow. by Emer, and you can learn to identify edible and medicinal plants and fungi, followed by a wild food feast. Wow, that sounds that amazing! Gorgeous, yeah. It sounds so good. Actually, you and I were out walking, and you pointed out these these bay leaves that are just hanging out there on where we walk. Yeah, wow. that you can just pick, and also some rosemary. You know, down a little bit further, there's rosemary. Yes, so I would it. love that. It yeah. sounds great, yeah. ladies. Marissa Sheehan, poet and book club member, Kate Redmond, food expert and uh, book club member what a pleasure it is always to chat to you we have to go out this evening girls with a little snippet of Joni Mitchell what's your favourite Joni Mitchell song the one you're going to play it better be one it has to be yeah. it has to be both doesn't it she's 80 today and do you know she was touring this year what a woman we won't get much of it but we'll just get a little clip Joni if you're listening what do we want to say happy birthday happy birthday, happy birthday. and birthday. Good. and thank you to listening and you don't know what it's got till it's gone yes this is true um, Owen <laughs> Carey will be up next he's with fully loaded so do stay with us thank you for your company and we'll chat to you next week so Joni take it away you're listening to The Art Show on KCLOR with Unani Valdainig. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland.